wrest the scriptures from their context. Verse 14 through 18. Read the even with me. So start right there in verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So there you see it right there. Rest. They're unlearned and unstable. They rest the scriptures. But beware also of who? The error of the wicked. I used to feel so sorry for Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. They'd come to my door... And I still try to talk to them. But I, you stick to the basics, and mainly you want to stick to the deity of Christ and the gospel. Don't talk about the Trinity and whether or not hell is real and even the King James Bible issue. Uh, that's not what's keeping them uh, from being saved. What's keeping them from being saved is no matter what Bible you show them, they don't believe in the deity of Christ. And so if they believe the deity of Christ, suddenly that opens up. And that's the testimony of thousands of these people in these cults. That's the big difference. They think you are blasphemers because you believe that Jesus is God. How, how do they do that? Well, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What, what do they do? They wrest that text from the context and then they teach things like the Jehovah's Witnesses and they say he was a God with a small g. A God. Then uh, Isaiah 9, 6, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. And then they'll say, the Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons all have told me this. I say, well, he's the Mighty God, but he's not the Almighty God. <laughs> That's what they say. You know, see what I'm saying? And so... Well, that's in John 1, 1. But in Isaiah 9, 6, it says the mighty God. And they'll say, well, he's the mighty God, but not the almighty God. Then uh, on and on it goes with all these references to the deity of Christ where it's clear in your Bible. And so then once you do allow yourself to believe what your eyes tell you from God's word, then all of a sudden the gospel opens up for you. And the beauty of God himself coming as a man as a little baby to begin with to grow up and go through all that we go through in life short of sin but suffering our infirmities hunger, becoming tired people getting under his skin people probably saying bad things about him when he was a kid just like they lied about him when he stood before Pontius Pilate and all these things he went through for 33 and a half years. 
That's a long time, really, to put up with that when you are sinless and you're the God of creation. But he did it so that he could pay for our sins and save us. Isn't that a wonderful thing? They can't see it until they come to know who he is. That's why the, a lot of these soul winners and people through the years have just really angered me. Because they will go to people and talk to them all about heaven and salvation and not even talk about Jesus. Yeah, and even if you say that prayer and you use the name of Jesus, if you don't know who he is and you're not praying to uh, the Father in the name of Jesus and the real Jesus, the biblical Jesus, understanding the gospel, you're not saved. And I'm saying to tell you, I think that what we're seeing today is the fruit of soul winners between the years 1950 and 1990, especially. When... Literally millions of Americans were taught to believe that they were saved even though they didn't know a thing about Jesus. And then every time somebody would go up to their door and knock on their door and try to talk to them about the real Jesus with the real gospel, they were already saved. And they were no more saved than that Catholic who said, well, I received Jesus. And they're talking about receiving him in the Eucharist. That Eucharist doesn't save you. And how many people you walk up to and say, oh, I've been baptized. Well, that water don't save you. I'm telling you, it's, I think that's what we're seeing. out it. Yes, there's plenty of blame to go around with the National Education Association, the ACLU, and the entire liberal Democratic Party, and most of the Republican Party are liberals and progressives just like that, and all this stuff going on in Hollywood, and all the rock music smut, and all the porn. There's plenty of things. Satan is trying to kill us with a thousand cuts. <laughs> but one of those big ones is that fake false soul winning that went on in this country for about 50 years. And it's really sad. But what did they do? They did the same thing. Resting the scriptures even as they would supposedly be presenting the gospel. We repeatedly emphasize the fact that things that are different are not the same. Say that with me. Things that are different are not the same. But it is equally true that things that are the same are not different. Say that with me. Things that are the same are not different. And that's my point about the day of Christ and the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the day of the... Well, here's how I put it. Jesus is Christ. Amen? Amen. Jesus is the Lord. Amen? Amen? The day of Christ is the day of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm sorry. The Bible says, come let us reason together. That, to me, is reasonable. Trying to create the day of Christ and make it something else is, to me, unreasonable based on what I see in the Scripture. And so that's why I teach that they're the same. But if you want some details about the day of the Lord, we have a study, uh, numbers 005 and 006 in our study of the book of Joel, titled The Day of the Lord. And if you haven't watched that, I'd urge you to go do that. And uh, it's on sermonaudio.com slash Ohio. Do a search, you'll find it. So that comes to our second point. And uh, Johnny, I apologize. My points don't start with the same letter. And I know that's important to you after... Uh... <laughs> I understood. <laughs> but uh, look at the last words there, back in our text. 
2 Thessalonians 2 2, as that the day of Christ is what? At hand. at hand. It's important to understand that. Is at hand. If the day of Christ were taking place, that's the, really the point that Paul is making here. He says, not to be soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. If the day of Christ were taking place, we would see things that are described there in verses 3 and 4. And we're, not, we're going to come back to that next week, but let's take a sneak preview of verses 3 and 4 here. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, what day? Day of the Lord or the day of Christ. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. There's going to be a great study, isn't it? The Lord tarries, and we're still here, and I'm still here. So we'll come back to that in our next study, Lord willing. But the day of Christ begins with the rapture. Okay? And then what happens after the rapture? The actual seven-year tribulation commences with the confirmation of the covenant, as, and that's how the Son of Man is revealed. Now, some good brothers in Christ disagree with me on that, and they think we can figure out who the Antichrist is now. And I'm saying, and I've said this before, listen to me on this one. You may not listen to me on everything, but listen to me on this one, and I'll save you a lot of money. People have spent so much money on books and videos, and who knows what else, on who the Antichrist is. And a lot of them are dead. But that Kissinger keeps hanging on. <laughs> How many of you remember the Henry Kissinger's the Antichrist thing? Now, he's still alive, I think. 110 years old or something like that. <laughs> he's getting up there. But I just believe there's only, biblically speaking, there's only one way you're going to know who the Antichrist is, and that's when he confirms the covenant with many, as it says. It will include Israel and the community of nations, or the global community of nations, or something along those lines. Yeah, John? Did you see the one where they had Barack Obama as man? Yeah. So I looked at the scriptures that count for that, and it talks about resting scriptures to your own destruction. Yeah. But they took it out of, I think, Luke chapter 10 and somewhere in that Yeah, I can't remember the points. The only one I agreed with is that the Antichrist is gay. <laughs> Brian? I just want to say, I think the Lord has a sense of humor because when he says, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he was referring to Bill Gates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Donald Trump's the last Trump. Bill Gates is the gates of hell. That's actually some pretty good examples of the uh, kind of resting the scripture that we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. But also it includes global apostasy. It says that day shall not come except they're coming falling away first. We have a, well, we've got a lot we're going to say about that in our next study. But the overall beast rule, the infrastructure's there. COVID was an example of how they're going to get everybody all freaked out and taking the mark and everything. The infrastructure's being built, but it's not here yet. And there's people out there with their YouTube videos and everything trying to convince everybody and so forth. God's Word tells us to have peace 
and walk with confidence. We're not to walk with dread and fear. And so many, well, we talked about that last week, these rapture dreams people are having, and everybody's like, ooh. And I, I'll talk to people, and they're like, oh, I don't like to really talk about the rapture. It scares me, you know? It should only scare you if you're lost. <laughs> if you're saved, it's exciting. I mean, you know, we've had discussions like, well, how are we going to get through that? You know, well, Jesus went through walls. And it, if we are glorified, as soon as we leave our feet, we'll go through those walls just like Jesus. And if not, I think it would be even cooler. Boom! Big hole, you know? Like Superman, boom! You know? Uh, 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 that would be cool. <laughs> and look down, see all that stuff flying where you just blew through the ceiling. Man, you're on the first floor like a 50-story building. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> oh, man. What's that? I believe there will be holes in the ground. I think there are going to be holes. I think they're going to blow out the hole and people are going to see all these empty graves. That's what I, I, I just think that. I also tend to believe they, they're going to be a bloody mess. Amen. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. So we're going to leave our blood behind and our flesh will be transfigured. Amen. That's the right word for it. Go read about Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's what's going to happen to your body. So, well, we could talk about that all night. But I want to close over in Romans. In the Bible, just, it's, it's so fun to talk about. Oh, I'll put it this way. When you're talking to another Bible believer, it's fun to talk about. Yes. <laughs> Romans 13, 11 through 14. I just love this. Paul, you know, Paul would talk about love and getting along and, you know, that kind of thing. It's important. But I love how right hand in hand with that, he, he doesn't, it's nothing for him to go with love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And then go right in verse 11. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Uh, don't you love that? Read the even verses and let's go through the rest. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk Honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. God's people say amen. amen. So we're going to continue our careful look at this chapter in Second Thessalonians 2, Lord willing, in our next study. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this message from Second uh, Thessalonians and we thank you for the blessed hope that we're looking for and the appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ and we just love to think about seeing you we love 
think about the rapture. We love to think about the glorified bodies that we're going to put on, never forgetting that it's all because of what you've done to save us. Never forgetting that we haven't done anything to deserve it. It's all of grace and all for your glory. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen.
kind of homesick for a country to which I've never been before. No sad goodbyes will there be spoken. And time Glory to 
Jesus' name. 